All right, yes, thank you for coming in and talking to us. Uh, Nan, uh, is it? Old Nan? Is that short for Nancy? Anyway, Nan, we really appreciate it. Now, if you could just tell us, according to the best of your recollection, which one of these individuals was responsible for the death of the Targaryen dragons? Hmm, let me see. Uh, that's him right there on the left. Aha, the dragon slayer, the, the gallant one, armed with a sword. I knew it. I knew it. No, not the bloody dragon slayer. Him. Ah, you mean the angry mob of peasants? Well, I suppose if there was enough of them, some of them do look pretty shady. No, not the bloody peasants, you idiot. All right, uh, how about the dragon there on the right? Big, strong dragon. Seems like he might be able to kill some dragons. It was him right there on the left. What now? The, the maester? Yes, the damn maester. Oh, no, no. He, he's just there to keep an eye on the suspect. He's the bloody suspect. Well, he, he's the sus... No, yes. no. I, I'm sorry. You must be mistaken. Now, thank you for your time, uh, Nan. Uh, if you'll just go ahead and proceed through that door on the left. Take your filthy hands off You really me. have a lot of work to do here. Uh, thank never. you for your time. Thank you. Uh, thank it you. Thank you. Misters. Hey there, friends. It's the Dragon LML, and welcome to a very special Conspiracy Theories of Westeros edition of House of Flying Dees. This video will contain mild spoilers for House of the Dragon in that we'll be discussing some of the events of the Dance of the Dragons from Fire and Blood. So if you want to remain totally in the dark about the show, you may not want to watch this. We won't be discussing any leaks, however, and I probably won't be telling you anything about the dance that you haven't heard. So, with that said, what if I told you it wasn't gallant slayers armed with swords who slew the Targaryen dragons, nor the mob at the dragon pit, nor even the other dragons. Well, then I'd be Archmaester Marwyn, speaking to Sam and his other acolytes in A Feast for Crows, because that's more or less exactly what he said. He said, Who do you think killed all the dragons the last time around? Gallant dragon slayers armed with swords? The world the Citadel is building has no place in it for sorcery or prophecy or glass candles much less for dragons. And with those two lines, the apostate Archmaester Marwyn the Mage rolled the apple of discord directly into the fandom, throwing into question everything we think we know about what it is that actually happened during the Dance of the Dragons. What seems on its surface to be a civil war between rival, power-hungry Targaryen dragonlord factions might actually be a giant conspiracy enacted by the maesters to kill as many of the Targaryen dragons as possible? Say what? That's right, potentially. And in this video and the next, I'll tell you all about the truth that the Grey Rats don't want you to know. Th those are the maesters, the Grey Rats. We'll get to that. The only red pill that you need is that subscribe button right down there. Ooh, see what I did there. And although this will be a fun exercise, merely in the context of unpacking fire and blood and this potential conspiracy that may or may not already be in the books, it's also potentially highly relevant to House of the Dragon for one simple reason. If the anti-dragon maester conspiracy is true, then it is, in a sense, the actual story of what happened in the Dance of the Dragons Targaryen Civil War, and therefore may very well be included in the show. It certainly makes the Green Faction and all of the Old Town characters, like the High Towers and the Maesters, and even the Septas and Septons, more interesting. And in case you didn't know by now, George R.R. R. Martin is working very closely with the House of the Dragon showrunners, so it's not really something that they'd have to 
figure out, as we're about to try to do, but rather something that George could have explained to them, if indeed this is the actual story of what moved the forces in the Dance of the Dragons. Now, they may not include this plotline on the show. You can certainly make the story work without it, after all, but it will still be a lot of fun to follow this trail. And I personally think that there actually is a very good chance that they will include some version of the anti-dragon maester conspiracy in House of the Dragon. So, did the maesters engineer a Targaryen civil war to kill off all the dragons as part of some larger goal of creating a world without magic, as Archmaester Marwyn claims? Well, one thing we can say for sure is that George R.R. R. Martin certainly wants the reader to think about this question when they read A Feast for Crows, where Marwyn the Mage is essentially hurling the idea into Sam's face and ours. Notably, George wrote these conspiratorial words before he ever wrote Fire and Blood or The Princess and the Queen, where we find the story of the Dance of the Dragons. And that means that this anti-dragon maester conspiracy was in his mind the entire time when he finally did sit down to flesh out the actual story of the dance. Therefore, we should be able to pick through Fire and Blood and find signs of the conspiracy and, oh, what's this? Fire and Blood was written by the maesters, the prime suspect in the conspiracy? Well, that in itself is actually a big clue that George is indeed hiding something secretive here. The fact that he came up with this clever device which essentially renders everything we read as suspect. And that in turn means that we probably can read Fire and Blood kind of like a treasure hunt, or like a sort of insane person picking through news stories looking for signs of the Illuminati. They're out there somewhere. Now, as many of you will know, it's not just Archmaester Marwyn sowing the seeds of conspiracy in the minds of the reader. That's right, George R. R. Martin famously gave us another bite at the Apple of Discord in A Dance with Dragons, in the form of Lady Barbara Dustin sketching out the outlines of a different maester conspiracy to Theon while they're in Roose Bolton-held Winterfell. Lady Dustin appears to be talking about the maesters hatching a conspiracy to manipulate certain lords to make marriage alliances that would undermine King Aerys Targaryen and, say, a conspiracy to get the Targaryens out of power? Gosh, that sounds an awful lot like a continuation of a conspiracy to kill all the Targaryen royalty and the Targaryen dragons. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, here's the passage from Lady Dustin. It's a couple of paragraphs long, but this is basically the most exciting and tantalizing passage in all of A Song of Ice and Fire, if you're on the hunt for conspiracies like we are, specifically anti-dragon maester conspiracies. As Maester Medric went to one knee to whisper in Bolton's ear, Lady Dustin's mouth twisted in distaste. If I were queen, the first thing I would do would be to kill all those gray rats. They scurry everywhere, living on the leavings of the lords, chittering to one another, whispering in the ears of their masters. But who are the masters, and who are the servants truly? Every great lord has his maester. Every lesser lord aspires to one. If you do not have a maester, it is taken to mean that you are of little consequence. The gray rats read and write our letters, even for such lords as cannot read themselves. And who can say for a certainty that they are not twisting the words for their own ends? What good are they, I ask you? They heal, said Theon. It seemed to be expected of him. They heal, yes. I never said they were not subtle. They tend to us when we are sick and injured, or distraught over the illness of a parent or child. Whenever we are weakest and most vulnerable, there they are. Sometimes they heal us, and we are duly grateful. When they fail, they console us in our grief, and we are grateful for that as well. Out of gratitude, we give them a place beneath our roof, 
and make them privy to all our shames and secrets, a part of every council. And before too long, the ruler has become the ruled. That was how it was with Lord Rickard Stark. Maester Wallace was his Grey Rat's name. And isn't it clever how the Maesters go by only one name, even those who had two when they first arrived at the Citadel? That way we cannot know who they truly are, or where they come from. But if you are dogged enough, you can still find out. Before he forged his chain, Maester Wallace had been known as Wallace Flowers. Flowers, hill, rivers, snow, we give such names to base-born children to mark them for what they are, but they are always quick to shed them. Wallace Flowers had a Hightower girl for a mother, and an Archmaester of the Citadel for a father, it was rumored. The Grey Rats are not as chaste as they would have us believe. Old Town Maesters are the worst of all. Once he forged his chain, his secret father and his friends wasted no time dispatching him to Winterfell to fill Lord Rickard's ears with poisoned words as sweet as honey. The Tully marriage was his notion, never doubt it. He and then Lady Dustin breaks off suddenly as Roose Bolton returns to the room, which is of course a famous George trick to regulate just how much the reader gets to learn about secret things. But we kind of learned a lot there, didn't we? At least... We got a different perspective on things from a very shrewd High Lord with personal experience that lends credibility to her words. And not a small amount of rage and bloodlust. Kill all the maesters? All right, good thing this lady doesn't have a dragon, right? Or maybe that depends on uh, which side you take in all of this. In any case, before she's cut off, Lady Barbie Dustin, bloodthirsty Babs, let's call her, was about to explain some version of the idea that the Maesters arranged these marriages between the major houses of Westeros, Stark, Tully, Baratheon, Aaron, and eventually Lannister, to create an alliance that could oppose and depose the Mad King Ares. That's a very solid theory, actually, and it's quite popular in the fandom. It's called the Southron Ambitions Theory, and the famous write-up of it is by Stefan Sasse, and I've left a link to his essay in the description of the video, so you can check that out yourself, and I do recommend that as supplemental reading to this video. So the point of all this is that George seems to be fairly interested in at least suggesting the shape of an anti-Targaryen, anti-dragon, grand maester conspiracy, and that's before we even begin to scrutinize the words of the maesters in Fire and Blood, which may be less a record of history and more a maesterly alibi, if you will. All right, so let's get to the meat of this conspiracy. The principle here is pretty straightforward. The maesters of the Citadel want to build a world based on reason and science, uh, such as it is in Westeros, one which will theoretically be safer and more predictable than one driven by magic and ruled over by dragonlords. And you kind of can't blame them, right? I mean, as much as we love our dragonlords, surely you can see how the rest of the people, the not dragonlords, if you will, might, you know, live in fear of the whims of those who do possess draconic power. Without ever bringing in the issue of Targaryen madness, quote-unquote, which, by the way, is probably in large part maester propaganda, simply ask yourself, if given the option by God or whatever, would you want a few dragons to exist in the real world? Ones that only a select few people could ride and control? Now, forget about modern warfare for a second. Pretend it's the Middle Ages. You can choose whether dragons exist or not, but the catch is you don't get to choose who can control them. It ends up being kind of a dice roll as to the character and motives of the ones who get the dragons, right? And again, not a dice roll of, is this person mad, but simply, are they of sufficient moral integrity and judgment to be given godlike power and not abuse it? Or perhaps we could ask, 
Should anyone be given such power? I mean, I do think that's one of the key questions that Martin is pretty much always posing to the reader throughout all of the Song of Ice and Fire books, which are largely centered around themes of power and its use. Whether it be magical power or political power that the heroes and villains of the story gain, Martin is basically exploring the use of power in every character arc. So the Maesters, they fear the Dragon Lords. All of Old Town, really. The Faith of the Seven is also based in Old Town, and like the Maesters of the Citadel, they also have been pretty leery of the Targaryens and eager to tame them whenever possible. The word leery actually doesn't quite uh, do it justice. The Faith actually went to war with Magor the Cruel, who committed many atrocities against the Faith. So, yeah, there's that. And as for the Hightowers, who are, of course, the ruling family of Old Town, well, they have always had many family members join both the Citadel and the Faith. So it's likely that some of the lords of House Hightower might be in on the plotting, and others might simply be unwitting tools. And that brings us to Sir Otto Hightower and Sir Daemon Targaryen, two of the major drivers of the war. Daemon Targaryen is exactly the sort of dragonlord that the dragon tamer forces of Old Town, if you will, are afraid of. Wild and impulsive, but highly competent, and eventually skilled in the wielding of political power. Capricious, carnal, and connected to the arcane, and taking orders from no one, not even his brother the king. No, sir, this is not a dragon lord that the Westeros wet blanket squad can tolerate. And that's, that's them right there, the Westeros wet blanket squad. Now, Viserys I, on the other hand, well, he doesn't even ride a dragon, and He's basically afraid to make any decision without getting a lot of advice. <laughs> that's, that's more like it. This we can work with, right? And of course, Sir Otto has been working with Viserys for a long time, helping him make almost all of his most important decisions. With a little counsel from the Grand Maester, naturally. So you can sort of see the broad outlines of how this sort of Maester conspiracy would work, right? It starts with the maesters realizing that the best way to kill dragons is with other dragons. Perhaps they figured this out when Magor the Cruel and Beleriand made short work of King Aegon the Uncrowned and his dragon Quicksilver in 43 AC, or perhaps years later when considering the event in retrospect. The maesters don't have dragons, of course, and wouldn't want any or know how to use them, but at some point, they must have realized that they can probably take advantage of the ambition and greed of people like Otto and Alicent Hightower, Daemon and Rhaenyra Targaryen, the Strongs, the Valarions, Kristen Cole, and all the rest, to essentially bring about the conditions which will spark a civil war between the Dragonlord factions so that the Dragonlords can wipe each other out. And that, spoiler alert, is exactly what happened in the war. And it's really quite dramatic, check this out, before the dance began, there were 20 living dragons with all but three under Targaryen control. And by the time the war is over, there were only four, four living dragons with only one in Targaryen control. So from 20 to four and from 17 Targaryen dragons to one Targaryen dragon, that's quite the culling. And now you begin to see why so many people in the fandom think the Maesters must have started this war on purpose. They were either very, very successful and sneaky dragon slayers, or they just got really, really lucky, and the thing they wanted most in the world, according to Marwyn, just happened on its own. Now, the high towers of House of the Dragon, Sir Otto and Lady Alicent specifically, almost certainly would not be in on the anti-dragon conspiracy, because they essentially think they are climbing their way to power 
by marrying into the Targaryen royal family and birthing a generation of half-high-tower dragon riders, which they do in Aegon, Helena, Aemond, and Daron. But like the Maesters, Sir Otto is threatened by the mere presence of Daemon Targaryen, and sees Viserys, on the other hand, as a puppet king that he can control, at first by being his Hand of the King, and then by marrying Alicent to Viserys. This in turn makes Sir Otto an easy puppet for the Citadel, who are potentially riding Otto's ambition and hatred of Daemon to the brink of war. For example, every time Archmaester Melos or whomever speaks up to say, well, that Daemon, I don't know, he's dangerous to the realm, you can definitely count on Sir Otto to nod eagerly and pipe up with a, yeah, that's right, uh, yeah, he's, he's dangerous, we gotta do something about him. So, if you're the Maesters trying to start a war, you essentially need to do two things, right? You need to inflame tensions and basically prevent things that could heal those tensions from occurring. Inflaming tensions is pretty easy when you have multiple candidates for the throne and many ambitious people involved, such as, uh, oh, it says here, everyone involved. Alrighty. And of course, the maesters have advisors placed right next to each one of these ambitious lords, as Lady Dustin so nefariously explained to us. Untimely deaths, or timely deaths, depending on your perspective, are certainly something else that can inflame tensions and destabilize politics. And the maesters are nearly always around for those. And of course, we've seen Varys employ that trick many times in the main story of Ice and Fire, such as when he murdered Sir Kevin Lannister at the end of A Dance with Dragons in order to destabilize the realm and pave the way for Fagon to come to Westeros' rescue. My name is Fagon. Now, as for peace breaking out accidentally, well, at several points in the decades leading up to the dance, there were in fact potential marriages and political decisions which could have reconciled various parts of the black and green factions, but somehow they just didn't happen. And you know who was right there for all those moments? That's right, the Maesters. So the Maesters pretty well control one side of the conflict, the Greens, having a hold on Sir Otto and the High Towers, as well as King Viserys. And they can count on the other side to be unrelenting. And of course, the Blacks have their Maesters on Dragonstone and Driftmark as well, whom we will discuss. The Maesters are also in charge of health care, such as it is in Westeros. And again, there are several suspicious deaths in the run-up to the war that definitely inflame tensions or alter the political landscape. Thus, you can see that the Grey Rats of the Citadel may actually be the dragon slayers that we're looking for. In fact, I noticed an interesting potential Easter egg in a line about rats killing dragons in this passage from Fire and Blood, which concerns the storming of the dragon pit, a mild spoiler alert here, an event where a huge mob of crazy people managed to kill five dragons through sheer insanity and force of numbers. It's a very, very sad event, and we'll discuss it a bit in part two, as it may have been, guess what, provoked by the maesters. But in any case, think about gray rats of the Citadel conspiring to kill the dragons, and listen to this passage with Rhaenyra talking to Mushroom. The queen did not believe it. They are vermin, drunks and fools and gutter rats. One taste of dragon flame and they will run. At that, the fool Mushroom spoke up, saying, Drunks they may be, but a drunken man knows no fear. Fools, aye, but a fool can kill a king. Rats, that too, but a thousand rats can bring down a bear. I saw it happen once, down there in Flea Bottom. This time, Rhaenyra did not laugh. And indeed, those Flea Bottom rats 
did bring down, like I said, five dragons in total. And perhaps it was the gray rats who brought down, uh, let's see, what was it? 19 dragons in total and essentially led to the end of the Targaryen dragons. Because I got bad news. Uh, none of the dragons that survived the Dance of the Dragons lived very long. And the last one was a weak, sickly thing who may have been poisoned by the maesters. All right, so now you have the broad outline of the potential anti-dragon maester conspiracy. And that means it's time to take a look at the specific events that contributed to the cause of the war, which are potentially likely to have been manipulated by the maesters. And we'll do that in part two. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel with the notification bell set to all, so you don't miss the notification for that video, which should be coming out in a few days, probably next week. Thank you very much to everyone who's been subscribing to the channel lately. Thanks to all my channel member squishers and a huge thanks to all of my patrons who have literally kept my career alive through these dark times, waiting for the bounty that is House of the Dragon. So cheers, everyone. Thanks to all my patrons again. Thank you very much, and I'll see you next time.